everyone. I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join us today for the Week in Review, where I talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. So apologies for the delay in releasing this podcast. Been enough hours in the day. So our topics for last week in review. First up, from staff on the 3rd of February, capital gains tax could help balance government books, according to Treasury. Second topic, from interest.co.nz on the 5th of February, high stock levels in the housing market at the start of this year mean buyers have got plenty to choose from over summer. Third topic from staff on the 5th of February, Queenstown house sellers demand record prices. Fourth topic from RNZ on the 6th of February, how fast will interest rates really fall? Fifth topic from One Roof on the 7th of February, Tony Alexander, with so much interest in the housing market, what's holding buyers back? So we'll start this week with topic number one, stuff, 3rd of February, capital gains tax could help balance government books from Treasury. New Zealand's absence of a capital gains tax is a structural concern that Treasury's highlighted as the government aims to achieve fiscal balance, according to its briefing to Finance Minister Nicola Willis. While New Zealand's debt is low internationally, it has risen significantly in recent years and current spending exceeded revenues, calling for fiscal consolidation. Treasury recommends prioritising a return to surplus by 2026 or 2027 through constrained spending, increased revenue and measures to boost growth, resilience and living standards. Despite a strong post-COVID recovery, New Zealand's government debt increased faster than other countries. Between 2019 and 2023, the IMF estimates that New Zealand's government net debt increased by 18% of GDP compared to a 4% increase for the average advanced economy. Although it was noted that the fiscal impacts of the North Island weather events has added to debt in 2023 and will continue to do so over the coming years. Treasury said that New Zealand was relatively heavily reliant by international standards on personal tax to raise revenue and emphasised the need for comprehensive tax reforms to address structural issues such as the gap between personal and company tax rates and the absence of taxes on capital and capital gains. Housing affordability was also identified as a major issue and identified low interest rates combined with restrictions on urban expansion and intensification as key drivers of house price growth. Low rental affordability was also mentioned as contributing to high demand for government spending, with over $5 billion spent on support and other initiatives per year. Unaffordable and unhealthy homes also have wider social impacts, including on health and education outcomes. Treasury suggests that planning for major tax changes early and exploring policy options to raise revenue, acknowledging the complexity of this task. So one of the complex issues is obviously, you know, low rental affordability has, in my opinion at least, been exacerbated by the restrictions on property investors because at the end of the day, if there were more rental properties available, the increase in rents wouldn't have been quite so significant, simple supply and demand. So that's the first bit of good news is that we do have a, a government that's a bit more landlord friendly. I think that is also going to be a good thing for tenants. If you ask anyone who's been trying to find a tenant for a 
a vacant rental property lately, the biggest issue is going through all of the applications from tenants who'd like to rent that base. So we need more landlords, not less of them. Uh, obviously, if they introduce something like a capital gains tax, uh, then that could impact on potential property investors also. Uh, but I also think that capital gains tax has a much wider implication. I don't necessarily have a problem with capital gains tax, it's my personal opinion, but it's the side effects, you know, things like if you run a business from home, that could potentially trigger capital gains tax on your home, for example. So I think certainly if they do look at introducing a capital gains tax, they need to be very careful about what it's going to trap and what it's not going to trap. All right, second topic from interest.co.nz on the 5th of February. High stock levels in the housing market at the start of this year mean buyers have plenty to choose from over summer. As we approach the peak selling months of February and March, house hunters can expect abundant options thanks to a notable surge in new listings during January. Realestate.co.nz recorded 7,347 new residential listings nationwide marking a 10.5% increase compared to January last year. This rise comes as a relief following a December 2023 slump with only 4,828 new listings, which was a decrease of 27% from December 2022. The surge in January listings elevated total property stock levels to 27,261 by month end, rebounding from 24,867 in December 23 and nearly reaching the January 23 level of 27,732. This makes it the second highest January stock level since 2016. Despite ample choices for buyers, vendors remain relatively high with their price expectations, with an average asking price of 891960 in January, which is up from 854794 in December. Although the average asking price has shown recent volatility, vendors may need to adjust their expectations realistically to facilitate sales in the current market. The coming weeks will determine whether vendors' enthusiasm aligns with buyers' levels of interest. Realestate.co.nz's January report highlights a substantial market activity shift after a quiet December with a 52.2% surge in new listings nationally, surpassing the typical 23.7% increase observed over the past five years between January and, or between December and January. So my opinion on this is that this is a great time to be a buyer. Way more choice from listings and less competition from other buyers. You know, we're certainly not in a booming stage of the property cycle yet albeit we are certainly showing signs of being in recovery. So the sooner you get into the market, the more choice with less competition means that you've got more chance of getting a property under contract with a good purchase price. So what is stopping you? We'll come back to that further on in this week in review. If you'd like to learn more about investing in property, join me at one of our free events called How to Succeed with Property Investing. I'll discuss strategies for successful investing from my perspective as a financial advisor, available live online or in person. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. We don't sell property, so it's all about increasing your knowledge to reduce your risk. If you've already been to one of our free events and you'd like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals, 
You can also book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website. Third topic from this week in review from Stuff on the 5th of February, Queenstown house sellers demand record prices. New data from realestate.co.nz reveals that Queenstown remains a hot spot for property sales, with sellers in the central Otago Lakes District seeking an average of $1.6 million, marking the highest regional average ever recorded. The median sale price in December stood at $1.3 million, according to the Real Estate Institute. Similarly, neighbouring Southland experienced a 17-year record high in average asking price in January. Realestate.co.nz spokesperson Vanessa Williams noted the contrast between these price points with the close geographical proximity, providing buyers with a diverse range of opportunities. The central Otago Lakes area has consistently commanded top prices over the past five years, though Auckland briefly surpassed it in mid-2021 and early 2022. Interest in homes in the Lakes area surged in January, with site traffic up nearly 40% from December and 43.2% compared to January 2023. Cromwell emerged as the most sought-after suburb, drawing interest from Auckland, Christchurch and even Sydney. Williams highlighted the evolving price dynamics, noting Auckland's price dip while Central Otago Lakes prices soared underscoring the allure of lifestyle destinations over major urban centres. Auckland's average asking price in January stood at $1.056 million. Nationwide, the number of homes listed for sale increased by 10.5% year-on-year, totalling 27,261 houses in January, which is a marginal decline of 1.7% from January 2023. Wellington saw a notable drop in available stock, while Wairarapa and Coromandel experienced significant increases in new listings. Engagement per listing rose by nearly 22% overall in January, with Wellington witnessing a staggering 87.6% increase. Auctions gained popularity as the preferred pricing strategy, which offers a level of transparency and competitive advantages, reflecting sellers' optimism and confidence in the current market albeit quite frustrating for purchasers, especially if there's multiple bidders, because as a cash unconditional buyer, you have to have done all of your due diligence before you put your hand up in the auction room. Fourth topic for this week in review from RNZ on the 6th of February, how fast will interest rates really fall? Well, there's the million dollar question, isn't it? Interest rates have been a significant pressure point for households lately, climbing from pandemic lows near 2% to over 7%. However, with growing speculation about central banks worldwide gearing up to cut rates to address inflation, focus is shifting to when this decline might occur. David Cunningham, CEO of Squirrel, anticipates a rapid decrease in interest rates, citing a drop in quarterly inflation below 1% in December, signalling the end of the inflation surge. He suggests one-year fixed home loan rates could dip below 6% by year-end and below 5% by 2025. Currently, they're hovering around 7.35%. ANZ economists forecast one-year fixed rates to be approximately 6.1% by year-end, with projected OCR cuts starting from August and reaching a 3.5% by mid-next year. Although a recent report released from ANZ indicated that there could be an OCR increase before the cuts start to occur. 
However, senior strategist David Croy emphasises the fluidity of financial markets, indicating that unexpected global rate drops could accelerate the expected rate declines. Gareth Kennan, chief forecaster at Infometrics, expects the OCR to reach 4% by the end of next year, suggesting limited drops in longer-term wholesale rates, which have largely factored in this decline already, although the wholesale rates have started increasing over the past week which has caused a bit of upward pressure, although the banks have had pretty big fat margins to deal with. So hopefully they're not going to need to pass on those interest rate increases for a while yet. Despite December's inflation data hinting at progress, Kenan warns against assuming victory in the inflation battle, pointing out that the seasonal nature of inflation and its implications for quarterly fluctuations are at play. Overall, while expectations of rate decreases are high, caution is advised as unforeseen global events could impact the pace and magnitude of these reductions, potentially influencing economic stability. And if there's one thing that you can be sure of, it's that predictions with interest rates and what's going to happen are purely crystal ball gazing based on economic data that's available at any given time. So things can certainly change quickly in the interest rate environment. My pick at the moment is that the next OCR move for New Zealand will be a downward move, not an increase. I think that they've still probably done enough to get inflation under control, but I certainly wouldn't be expecting an interest rate decrease now until at least May. We've still got quite a bit more data that the Reserve Bank is likely to need to see first. And it'll depend on how that data looks as to whether or not the Reserve Bank decides it's a good time to start relaxing those interest rates. Fifth topic for this week in review from One Roof on the 7th of February from Tony Alexander. With so much interest in the housing market, what's holding buyers back? Economist Tony Alexander provides an analysis of the residential real estate market's recent trends. Following a strong upturn in mid last year, marked by a 20% increase in sales during the June quarter and monthly price increases averaging 0.9% nationwide from July to October. The market flattened since then, with prices falling by 0.3% from November to December. Factors contributing to this easing include the mid-October general election, which always has an impact on the property market, and rising fixed mortgage rates through to late November, and then the seasonal impact of summer holidays. So December and January generally always have a lower level of activity in the property market. Now, as people return to work and slight interest rate cuts have been observed, attention's drawn to the potential effects of a 2.5% migration-driven population boost on rents and housing prices. Results from Tony Alexander's recent survey of real estate agents indicate positivity in markets nationwide, but buyers aren't feeling rushed and significant obstacles to purchasing still persist, particularly the difficulty around obtaining lending when all the banks are testing at interest rates at around the 9% mark. Key findings from this survey include a decrease in housing FOMO, the fear of missing out, compared to previous peaks, a consistent presence of first-time buyers, and a tentative return of investors to the market. However, an increase in potential sellers has been noted. Challenges for buyers mainly revolve around obtaining bank finance, as I mentioned just previously, with concerns over deposit requirements and also meeting current lending rules. 
while concerns about limited listings and high interest rates have decreased, anticipation of future interest rate cut persists. Overall, while the residential real estate market has plateaued for now, or at least appears to have, an upturn is anticipated later in response to various factors, including falling mortgage rates, increased migration, decreased construction and tax changes, though timing remains uncertain at this point. So my pick on this is that the main reason why people haven't really jumped back into the property market with force is because Kiwis tend to act a little bit like sheep when it comes to the property market. They wait until people start seeing good results and then they, then they decide that it's a good time to buy. My take on this is that the sooner you get in, the better for your individual position. Because as I mentioned earlier, lots of listings, less competition from other buyers at the moment increases your chance of getting a good deal now compared to what things might look like when the property market actually starts to boom. By staying informed and by being ready to take decisive action, you can maximise your chances of success in the property market. Join me at one of our free events called How to Succeed with Property Investing. We deliver the latest information from the property market through our two-hour workshops. What's more, as an experienced property investor and a financial advisor, I'll be sharing valuable insights and expert tips to help you on your journey. Our free events cater to all levels of property investors and first-home buyers. I'll also tell you more about how we help our clients to achieve their financial goals. So if you're interested in finding out more about what we do, Visit propertyapprentice.co.nz today to secure your spot and register for one of our events. Alternatively, you can book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, through our website. Remember, we don't sell property. We create smarter property investors. Thanks for listening.